Well, if you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 10. And I'm just going to begin with this, this one, one verse that became our theme verse last week for this God First series. And that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If you remember, I talked about Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, uh, really forbidding worry. Three times in that passage in Luke chapter or Matthew chapter six, he says, "Do not worry." It's a command not to worry. And then situated right in that passage is that verse: "But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." And I really what he, I think he's saying is not that we shouldn't give any concern to what we shall eat, what we shall drink, or what we shall wear. We all think about those things. We all gave some concern to that this morning, to what we should wear, what we should eat and drink. But I think he's saying, don't let those be priority in your life. Don't let them be the main thing. Let them, let them line up behind your relationship with God. And when you do that, it takes the worry off that stuff. If you make something that isn't the Lord your priority... Everything else, everything else kind of lessens or dies to the priority. C.S. Lewis said this. I thought it was very interesting. He wrote an article. Um, he wrote one article that appears in a collection of essays I have called God in the Dock. And he, and he wrote an article called First and Second Things. That's interesting. He said, put first things first and we get second things thrown in. But put second things first. And we lose both first and second things. He talked about how someone may make a certain hobby or something their number one priority. And when they sell everything and lose everything to do that, they realize they've lost everything else. And it takes the joy out of even that thing. So our priorities need to be set correctly. God needs to be out front. God needs to be first. Can we all say it? God first. Everything else second. God first. Everything else second. So let's read this passage in Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha came, or welcomed him rather, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So get the scene here. Jesus is welcomed into a house by this lady, Martha. And in the ancient world, you know, hospitality was of a high value. If you read uh, the New Testament, hospitality is huge. You read the early church fathers, the, the requirements of a bishop or deacon is to be hospitable. Um, it, it was a big thing in the early church and in the ancient world. And so to be welcomed in was a serious thing. And then if you had a guest and you welcomed them in, you must take care of that guest. So Martha welcomed Jesus in her home. And when she got him inside, she started taking care of everything. I mean, there's dinner to be served, there's feet to wash, there's pots and pans a clanging, and 
Might, be, might have been kids or neighbors running around. I don't know. Everything's going on, and she's busy with serving Jesus. And she looks over, and she sees her sister just sitting at his feet. Just sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. And so I think Martha gets perturbed at this. And she's looking over at her sister. Maybe she's banging them dishes. And she's thinking, what's she doing? And so finally she just confronts the situation. And she says, you know, she comes to the Lord and says, Lord, we got a lot to do here. And, and here's Mary just sitting here doing nothing. And Jesus said, hold on, Martha, you're worried about too much. And you're too easily distracted. Mary has actually chosen the better part. Now, is it that he was saying we should never worry about cooking dinner? We should never take care of a house, just sit and listen to Bible teaching 24-7. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying there's a priority here. There's a priority. Mary has chosen to put me first. And she's chosen the bitter part. Amen? It's interesting you can have two people under the same roof with two different positions. You can have different people in the same house with Jesus who are positioned differently. Some are listening. Some are not listening. Some are busy. And you know, busyness is something we all deal with, and it seems like we've gotten more busy as time has gone on. I, I don't know if just I feel that way or, or if you guys see that. There was an article recently I looked at where these people, this business group studied busyness and they gave us seven reasons why people are busy I want you to listen to them first of all busyness is used as a badge of honor or a trendy status symbol that if we're busy it shows how important we are or what value or self-worth we have secondly of all busyness is used sometimes as job security if I look busy and stay busy I'll have a job Thirdly, busyness is, is FOMO, fear of missing out. If I'm not busy, I, there's something going to go by and I won't get to experience it. Because used to, you know, I think a previous generation to mine, they, they wanted things. They grew up harder and they wanted a house and they wanted the boat and they wanted the cars. And it seems like my generation and younger, it seems doesn't care about things as much, but they want to experience everything. We want to do it all. And it's just another form of busyness. Fourthly, busyness is a byproduct of the digital age. We're never offline. Everyone's, a lot of people are connected all the time. And we never are unconnected. You know, used to, when you went home from school, you left your kids at, at, at their home. And you went to your home. And you weren't connected until the next day you saw them at school. Or you talked on that phone with that 40-foot cord that you could take around the corner. But we're connected all the time now, and sometimes that's just worn on us. It's, busy, it's just more busy and more busy. Busyness can be a time filler. We have so many choices and infinite ways to fill time. Instead of leaving these moments of sitting, we've got to have every moment filled, or we feel like we're not fulfilling life. And sixth, busyness 
can be a necessity. Some people are busy because they have to be. They work multiple jobs or taking care of kids and trying to make ends meet. And finally, busyness can be an escapism. Whereas you just get as busy as you can because you don't want to sit down and deal with deeper issues. You just run. You just run. But today, we're going to take some time and sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to take some time and sit at his feet. I'm going to give you permission to sit at his feet. This week, you have my permission to sit at his feet and just take whatever time you need to sit at his feet. And I'm going to tell you how you can have a great day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How can you have a great day? Put him first and take some time to sit at his feet. That's kindergarten level theology, but I'm giving it to you and it's powerful. How can you have a great day? Take some time and sit at his feet. Maybe in the morning, maybe in the afternoon, maybe at night. It may be you reading the Bible, it may be you praying, it may be you talking in a conversational tone with the Lord. It may be you listening to teaching. It may be you listening to the audio Bible. It may be you attending a worship service. Whatever, take some time and sit at his feet and make him a priority. And when you do that, it orders your whole day. I I don't know if I'll get to it, but I want to teach in this series the law of first things. Because there's a powerful principle in Scripture. It's the law of first things. The first was to be dedicated to the Lord. The first of the crops, the first of the livestock. The tithe is to be dedicated to the Lord. And when, when there's, there's a sense that when you dedicate the first things to God, the rest is sanctified. That when you dedicate the first, the rest is ordered. Oh, hallelujah. So when you set Him aside as first it orders everything else to that priority. Really, if you look at the word priority, it's talking about one thing. The one thing that becomes the priority in your life. Family, self, job, all this comes below church, comes below our initial relationship to Him as the first thing in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Is anybody getting this here? Are you getting it? How do you have a good day? Put Him first. Put Him first. Put him first. Take time to take a little merry time. Sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. How much time do I need to do that, Pastor Hans? I don't know. That's you. It's between you and the Lord. If you're doing nothing, anything is better than nothing. Five minutes is better than nothing. You know, years ago, I read a book by by a, a professor named C. Peter Wagner, and he talked about prayer, and he talked about how the average pastor only prayed a handful of minutes a day. So he said, why don't, why, why, how about let's just start there. Pray 20 minutes a day. And he said, if you don't have the quality in that prayer, give the quantity. Quality will come later. And I love that. If you set aside some time, say, I'm just going to sit at his feet. If you sit there and you pray everything you know in three minutes, well, I'm, I'm tired of talking. Well, you know what? Good. Awesome. Because a lot of our prayer time is just us spiel, giving this spiel and reeling off all of our Christmas list. But I think He wants us to sit down and listen to Him. Soak in His presence. Listen to His Word. 
Hear Him. Because He knows what to do. I don't know what to do all the time, but He knows. If I have a, I think it was Martin Luther who said, I have a very busy day tomorrow. I need to get up an extra hour early to spend before the Lord. Because we think we have a busy day. Well, I can't sit at His feet today. No, a busy day is the day you probably most importantly need to sit at His feet. And give Him some time and say, Lord, help me through this day. Order this day. Set everything in line for me this day. Let me take, Mary, Martha's going to be working, but I'm going to take some time to sit at your feet and listen to you. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, listen to what he's saying, that man up there on stage. Sit, sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. Sit at his feet. Oh, hallelujah. Sit at his feet. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. He knows the decisions you should be making. He knows your past like no one else. He knows your desires. He knows your personality type. He's got you all figured out. He created you. He has editorial rights to you. He has creative rights to you. He has the patent and copyright on your life. He is the original manufacturer and He knows how you need to navigate each day. Oh, hallelujah. I could sit in this the rest of the day. Sit at His feet and listen. Sit at His feet and listen. You say, well, I, I read the Bible and it just, I just can't get into it, Brother Hans. Well, I'm going to tell, tell you something Jack Hayford said. If you read it, and it seems like you're just glossing over the words, there's still something spiritual happening. That sounds out there, but I'm telling you, there's still something spirit. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit, and they are life. It's not just reading Plato or reading some philosopher. It's spirit and life. And I do know this, the more you read, the more you want to read. The more you listen, the more you want to listen. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you worship, the more you want to worship. Because you realize, this is what I was created to do. I was created to do this. To sit at His feet. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you three commands. I'm stealing these completely from a man named Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee wrote a many books in the day, and he wrote one little book on the book of Ephesians called Sit, Walk, Stand. So say it with me. Sit, walk, and stand. So let's take these from the book of Ephesians. If you look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul is talking about Christ being resurrected from the dead and seated in the heavenly places. And there's a powerful prayer right here that you should pray over your life. Let's back up to verse 16, Ephesians 1, 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you and make mention of you in my prayers. So if you want to pray, how about praying how Paul prayed? Here's how Paul prayed for the people. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. That is an amazing prayer to pray over your life and to pray for others. 
Father, I pray they grow in wisdom and revelation, that they know the depth of your love for them, and that, God, you would unveil and reveal to them all of the riches that you have for their life. Let's walk through it again. Come on, put your hand up. Father, for my family, I pray that you would let them grow in wisdom and understanding to know the depths of your love and to know the riches they have in Christ. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Then he says this in the next verse. Then he says, which he worked. What did he work? All of those exceeding promises and the richness of the power that he worked in him when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now Jesus is seated in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. So Jesus is seated in heavenly places. He's already won the battle. He's already won the victory. He already died for our sins. He already paid for our sicknesses and diseases. He already defeated Satan. Done. It's already done. Now he's gone up to heaven and he's seated there. But guess what? You and I are down here on planet earth. And we're walking it out on planet earth. But what's interesting is over in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, by grace we are saved. It's not by works lest any man should boast. Verse 8. But back up in verse 6. But we've been saved by grace and raised up together. Can everybody say together? And made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul's talking about us being saved by grace, not by works. And since that has happened, even though we're here on planet earth, somehow positionally we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. It's kind of like being an American citizen. I may travel to Asia or may travel to South America or Eastern Europe. I've been all those places or the Caribbean or the Middle East. Been to those places. But when I'm walking around, even though I'm on their ground, I'm a citizen of another country. And I really live under the laws and constitution of the other country that I come from. And I'm telling you, if anything bad were to happen while I, was, while I was overseas, I could go to an American embassy because that ground that it sits on really is a representation of the country I came from. You are a born-again saint. You are an ambassador of Christ. And even though you're walking around here, your citizenship is in heaven. And your position... And your citizenship, your authority doesn't reside only here, but it's connected to heaven. And what heaven has going on is what you have going on in your heart. That's why Jesus could pray. You know this, Lord, let your will be done. People like, Lord, 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 let your will be done. Is it your will to save this person? I don't know. Let's pray, Lord, let your will be done. Is it your will to heal Joe? I don't know. Let's pray, Lord, let your will be done. I don't see that in the Bible. Jesus said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is. Let heaven's culture come down to planet earth. 
and let that place where my citizenship abides, let it come down and influence the here and now. Nobody sick in heaven. Nobody depressed in heaven. Nobody broke and down and out in heaven. Nobody groveling around and addicted in heaven. Nobody demon possessed in heaven. Nobody with a defeatist mindset in heaven. Nobody trying to figure out what God's will up in heaven. Hallelujah. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let the culture of where I'm seated. We've been seated with him up in the heavenly places. Let that culture come. So everywhere you walk, you got that culture in you. Everywhere I go, I have an Appalachian accent attached to me. I've tried to work it out. I tried to educate it out. But when the day's over, I'll still slip and say, over. Or I'll still say, how Yun's doing? And you know what? I just love it now. I just embrace it now and say, that's my roots coming out of me. Some of y'all say, down by the water and dang tame. That's your roots coming out of you. And it is what it is. Amen? I speak like a person. from where I was born. (laughs) And when you're walking around now, you might be in Walmart or you might be at the shipyard or you might be down at the car dealership. But when you speak, they need to hear the accent of the kingdom you're coming from. Oh, hallelujah. They need to hear where you've been seated. Hallelujah. That you, wow, this guy talks differently. Man, he's got a different perspective. Yeah, because I've come from another planet. Hallelujah. I've been sent as an ambassador declaring his purposes, his culture, and his kingdom here on earth. Hallelujah. Woo, come on, somebody give him a praise and give him a shout in here. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, sit down. Sit down in Christ. When you're seated, here's the deal about being seated. When you're seated, I'm bearing my weight right now on my legs and feet and these shoes with heels on. And you women know what I'm talking about. But when I'm seated, all the weight is displaced to some other entity. I'm not carrying my weight anymore. This seat is carrying my weight. And I hope it's good. And I have faith. I have faith in this seat. That this seat isn't going to break. It isn't going to crumble while I'm seated in it, right? All my weight's now resting on something else. When I'm seated in Christ, I'm now not working on my own power, authority, ability. I've now placed all of that on Christ. And everything that Jesus has accomplished now, He's saying, rest in me. 
Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you for it's easy. Oh, hallelujah. My burden is light. Come on, lay back on me, Hans. Lay back and rest in what I've already accomplished. He's already died for my sins, already paid for my healing, already made the way to heaven, already paved the path. He said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I came to give you power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means shall hurt you. You shall tread on scorpions and serpents. Hallelujah. Now you go out, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, do miracles in my name. The, the same works I've done, greater will you do because I go to my Father. Here to this point, you've asked nothing in my name, but now ask anything you will in my name and it shall be done for you. If any two of you touch as agreeing on anything, it shall be done. Where any two or three of you are gathered, I am in the midst with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When you wake up in the morning, I'm there. When you go to bed at night, I'm there. Tomorrow, I'm going to be there. Next year, I'm going to be there. Next decade, I'm going to be there. All you need to do is live from a position of rest. Come on, somebody give him a shout. Live from a position of rest. Next thing, shout walk. Next thing we see in the book of Ephesians is now that we're seated with Him in heavenly places, now we're to walk it out on planet earth. He says in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord, he's talking about himself because he was in prison, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now God's placed a high calling on your life, now you walk it out. Then he says in verse 17 of chapter 4, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. Now you should walk with a renewed mind. Then he says in chapter 5, verse 8, You weren't, once were in darkness, but now you are in the light and you walk in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now walk out what's happened to you. Walk out what's happened to you in heavenly places. Walk out who you really are. You're not who you used to be. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation in Christ. Live from a position of rest and walk out what He's already done in your life. Sometimes we walk and we think that we have to make everything happen on our own and we carry guilt because of that. And even in living a life of holiness or a life of morality, you know, we think, well, if I can just do that, I'll get check marks in heaven and a gold star on my kindergarten board you know but God is saying you know what I've already done that so you don't have to live holy to earn merit you live holy because of what I've already done in you you aren't saved by works you're saved unto good works you and if you're trying to live a life of good works without Jesus in your heart it's just a bunch of religion but when he does come into your heart now you can really love others now you can really be free. Now you can live the life that He wants you to live. And I'm telling you, His highest call for you is to be seated in heavenly places. His highest call for you is to be conformed to the image of His Son. His highest call for you is to live the life that He has now ordered for you to live and transformed you to live. I don't know, I, I'm seeing this, you know, sin is sin and we've all been there, done that. But yet the issue with sin is, it's not your highest calling. 
It's really settling for less in your life than what God has called you to. You aren't called or created to live a life of addiction. You aren't called or created to live a life of adultery. You aren't called or created to live a life of stealing and cheating people. You aren't called and created to hurt others and murder people. You were called to live a higher life than that. God knew that. That's why He said, and they can't do it without my Spirit. So I'm going to come and transform them, put my Spirit on them, and then I'm going to seat them in heavenly places with me. And then they're going to walk out from that position. One more thing. Say, say stand. stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand... Stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And this term stand is really interesting. The term stand means withstand. It doesn't mean just to stand. It means to withstand. Notice the definition. To withstand. To stand against. To vigorously oppose. To bravely resist. To stand face to face against an adversary. Standing your ground. It comes from the Greek word anti... It's where we get the modern term antihistamine. It's interesting. It comes from that. And what does an antihistamine do? It blocks histamine. It tells the histamine you don't... You can't produce here. You don't have authority here. We're blocking it. And this is what withstanding does. We tell the enemy, nope, it's not just standing. It's standing like this. We're telling the enemy, no, thus far, no more. You can't, you, you, you can't, not today, Satan. <laughs> Dana and I were in Clinton, North Carolina, and there was a business. I think it was like a... Uh, auto business and you know people put their own signs up and, and the sign said this not today Satan nor any other day come on say it with me not today Satan nor any other day to stand means to withstand so now we fight we fight the battle we have to walk through the battles we have to walk through knowing that we are seated with him in heavenly places So I'm even fighting from a position of resting in the Lord. I'm fighting from a position of victory because He's already won the battle. If you notice what we're fighting against in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Well, if you go back to chapter 1, I think it's really interesting that Jesus is risen far above every principality, power, might, dominion, and name. So these don't sound like the same things. But I kind of think they're the same things. In Ephesians chapter 6, the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, I really feel those are demonic forces. 
I know there's a different interpretive angle on that, but I believe there are, they are demonic forces. And I believe they are strata of demonic forces. That Satan has an army where he has generals and he has captains and he has commanders and he has privates. He has it all the way down. I believe there are principalities over cities and nations, principalities over regions. And I believe that uh, we are in a true spiritual warfare with an organized enemy. If you remember the book of Daniel, that Daniel was praying and he prayed for 21 days. And then Michael the archangel came to him and said, Daniel, your prayer was heard in the first hour that you prayed. But I've been over here fighting the prince of Persia to get this through to you. So Daniel was fighting some sort of principality over the nation of Persia. I believe there are principalities active in America right now, over Elizabeth City right now. And I'm telling you, through the preaching of the gospel, through the spread of the good news, through the awakening that we're experiencing in the Lord, hallelujah, we are actually exposing and bringing down the kingdom of the enemy in this area. Matter of fact, Paul said that now the church has become an open display showing the principalities and powers the victory that Jesus has already won on the cross. So my issue is, if, if we're fighting all these things in Ephesians chapter 6, we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting these strata of demonic forces, but yet Ephesians chapter 1 says Jesus has already defeated them and is risen above every one of them, and not only that, now He's taken you and I and seated us in heavenly places with Him. So we're down here fighting skirmish wars, but the big battle has already been won, and we need to fight from the point of victory. So what's this look like? It changes everything. You wake up in the morning, and it's not like, oh, Lord, what if the devil attacks me today? God, what if something bad goes wrong? Lord, what if God doesn't show up? And, and, and what, if, what, what if this is too big? And what if I get a bad report? And what if my finances don't come through? That can go on endlessly. If you open that door and let all that in, or you can wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to have a great day because I'm going to sit down with you at your feet Realize I'm seated in heaven with you. And now I'm going to stand my ground and I know all of heaven is backing me up today. And not only that, I know I'm fighting from a point of victory. I know the fight is already fixed. The game's been rigged. Payoff has already happened. Contract has already been signed. Covenant has already been sealed. I remember years ago, I remember years ago, my home high school hosted a professional wrestling match. And we went. I mean, this is back in the Ric Flair days. <laughs> I knew that was coming from somebody. Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, Ivan Cola, all, that, that was the... They came to my home high school. Now, some years before, they had come to the football field and had had a match. And I hate to say this because some of these guys came, they were great Christian guys. You know, the Koloffs were out of Tommy Barnett's church, later informed a ministry. Anyhow, they weren't Russians, by the way. I think they were from West Virginia. 
But anyhow, one of these guys got beat up and bloodied on the, in the ring, and they put him in the ambulance to take him down to the hospital at the bottom of the hill. Well, my dad was working with the ambulance crew. And they put him in there, and they thought, man, this guy's beat up. He said, no, guys, I'm all right. It was not real. Y'all still love me? I mean, they're taking some real hits, but the thing was figured out before they went into the ring. Not saying you can't still love it. I don't know. You do you. But, but when I went to the high school to see it, I saw some of these mountain women get riled up, man. They started beating one guy with a chair, a folding chair, on his way back to the locker room. Women hitting those guys with purses and everything. I'm like, all right now, this is on. This is big time wrestling. So I don't know how it works. And love you big time wrestlers out there watching me on direct TV. But I'm imagining somebody has already figured out before they got in the ring how this thing's going to come down. I think a contract has been signed and the fight has already been fixed. We're fighting a fight that's already been fixed. Come on, somebody. We're fighting a fight that's already been fixed backstage. Jesus already signed in His blood the covenant of our deliverance. So now I can go to prayer. And I take that covenant to prayer. And now I will approach the throne of grace boldly and make my petitions and requests known. I can go and ask God. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. I'm telling you, seek, you shall find, knock, the door shall be opened unto you. I can go do that. I can ask anything in His name and it will be done for me, Jesus said. I can agree with some of you and anything will be done, Jesus said. I can command in the name of Jesus. Demons have to flee. Saw it in the Bible. Used it myself. It works. But I also can go and I can take the verses that say, Lord, I'm seated with you in heavenly places. And now you said by your stripes I am healed. That you sent your word and healed Hans. And now you're the Lord that heals Hans. And now God, I stand on that and I realize you've already won the victory. I don't have to wrestle with this. Is this God's will? Not God's will? What's this? What's this? I'm going to go boldly before the throne of grace and declare the fight has already been fixed. I don't have to sit there and want, I wonder if God's going to choose my children to be saved. Don't have to think about that. He said He would that all men be saved, Paul told Timothy. And then I know in Acts chapter 16, Paul, uh, Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer, God will save you and your household. Now I can go before the Lord and take that promise and say, God, I know it's your will to save my family. Now I declare my kids saved. I declare they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, go apprehend them. Do whatever you have to do to bring them in. Send someone in their path. Move on them. Give them dreams and visions, Lord. Protect their lives right now in Jesus' name. And I declare your best over their lives. You're going to do this thing, God, and I give you praise. 
I don't have to pray, God, is it your will that our church grows? Or is it your will that we win anybody for Jesus? No. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. We're not waiting on hell to attack us. We're, fo- we're, we're going ahead, damaging the gates of hell and knocking out and ruining the work of Satan. The Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And now you and I are carrying out his victory in planet earth. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can you put your hands together and give the Lord a praise? Come on, shout it with me. Sit, walk, and stand. Stand with me this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I want you to stand like this. I want you to put your left foot, left, left foot forward. I want you to get your, get your fists up. This is standing like he's talking about. It's not like this. It's like this. You ever see, you ever, y'all ever watch any real wrestling matches? <laughs> My home high school was the greatest wrestling school in the state of Virginia and one of them in the nation. They've won 25, 26 state championships. And I noticed when I'd see those wrestlers come out and wrestle, it, they're not like this. No, they're like this. And I'm like, if you try to shoot a guy that's that low, it's going to be hard to take him out. That's intimidating. Somebody who knows what they're doing, cauliflowered ears, ripped and in shape, coming at you like this, you're done. Hallelujah. Don't stand there and wait on Satan to take you out. Get down. You withstand, vigorously oppose, boldly oppose everything he's doing. Everything he's doing. Not today, Satan. You, you, no, no way. Not today, Satan. No way. I'll tell this one story, and I've told it here before, but we're going to pray. So I was uh, watching this video years ago. Chase and Christina Grandstaff showed some of these videos to the youth group. And uh, it was produced by these people who would go overseas in America, see, see evangelism on the streets, and they saw a lot of demon-possessed people delivered. And there was a lady on there who was a minister, and she said she got a call one day, and the call, the person said, will you pray for a girl who says she's a bride of Satan, been raised in a cult since birth, designated as a bride of Satan? This kind of stuff goes on. The lady said, absolutely, I'll pray for her. So the lady said, me and my team started fasting and praying. And she said, on the day she came for prayer, I felt the evil presence when she pulled into the neighborhood. And then she walked up to the front door and the front doors blew open without her touching them. And that lady evangelist said, when I saw that, I ran right up and got in her face and said, not today, Satan. Not today. cast every demon out of her. She got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Had to go into hiding kind of to be discipled. So years later, I went searching for this this lady because I said, I want to hear the testimony. Maybe it's out there. And lo and behold, I found her. I found her testimony on YouTube. 
And she told her testimony. She said, I was raised in a satanic cult. And we would go to churches or to evangelistic meetings and see if we could find weaknesses in the pastors to curse them. So she said, one night, me and a friend of mine, drinking, went to a Benny Hinn crusade. Sat in the nosebleed section. Said, Benny came out. They're worshiping the Lord. And Benny goes, there are Satanists in this room tonight. And the Lord says to let you know that your power has no effect or authority in this room. There are two of you and one of you is going to get saved. She said they both ran out of their shaking and flipped out that he moved in that kind of authority. And it was the beginning of her getting saved. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like John Wayne and the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like, get out of my way, partner. Come on, just get, get some of that backbone. Come on, put your finger out and say, not today, Satan. Not in my family. Not in my neighborhood. Not in my life. Not today. Nor any other day. Nor any other day. I've been given the victory. I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. I'm walking in the Spirit. And I'm withstanding everything you're trying to do against my family, my church, my nation. Hallelujah. I declare the victory of Christ over my life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Father, I give you praise right now for the folks here this morning. God, I thank you for your word, the revelation of your word. God, your word brings life. It's spirit and life. And God, I just pray right now that you... Set us on fire. Set people on fire, Lord, who maybe have laid back and just allowed the enemy to come in and have his heyday. No more. No more. Today we rest and sit at the feet of Jesus. Today we walk and fight from a point of victory. And we give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if this message was for you, let me see your hand in here this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this building this morning and you're not serving the Lord and you haven't committed your life to the Lord, there's something you feel between you and the Lord. There's just something blocking you. There's sin. There's stuff you need to repent of and need to get out of your life. I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're in this room and you've served the Lord in times past, but you grew cold on that commitment. And now you feel Him in this place this morning and you're like, I want it. I want to get back to where I was. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. All I want to ask you to do is just to raise your hand and let me see it. Between me, you, and the Lord. Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, others of you, I want to, I want to be right with God, Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you. Come on, pray out loud with me. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you've sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You can come and repent of your sins and God will wash them away. Come on, pray out loud with me. Father, I come to your throne and I ask for grace. May the blood of Jesus be applied to my life. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all sin. I walk away from it. I repent of it. 
I run into your arms, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me and cleansing me. And I give you thanks right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's put our hands together and give the Lord a thank offering right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.